Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and on Books That Burn this fortnight, we are discussing Unwind by Neil Schusterman, the first book of the first book of the Unwind Distology. For our factions, we have Cam, Lev, Risa, Roland, Tyler slash Cyrus, and the Trucker. As a clarifying point. Because some of you might be listening to this in two parts, or one part and not the other, because one of these sounds squicky and the other one is probably fine in your head. Part one and two of our discussion today are intrinsically, intimately related. If one of these topics squicks you out, please jump over to three or the wrap up, because we will reference each other (laughs) in an odd (laughs) books that burn atypical fashion we will we will be talking about the other one kind of we're gonna try our best not to have them bleed over into each other but no promises yeah um so tyler has a problem and the problem is that he's in cyrus yeah (laughs) literally because the part of the the central premise is that people are technically not dead because their bits have been put into other people. And in this case, it's part of a lobe of Tyler's brain has been put into Cyrus's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tyler is still trying to live his life. Yep. Quite literally. Um, He's a kleptomaniac. And it's also possible, I mean, if he's, the if the part of his brain that's left is like an eighth of his brain, it's possible. I mean, it's just that it's obvious section, from right? it's obvious from the book that he was a kleptomaniac, yeah, as a whole person. But it's possible <laughs> that it's worse and ramped up because nothing but the part that keeps trying to steal stuff is left. That was a thought that I had just now. That, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, bad, but. It might be hyped up. Um. Uh, 
a thought that I have been thinking about since uh, finishing this book is how much so our brains are a little bit odd and they're historically we used to think that certain things were in certain places and we now know that stereotypically and typically that is true but like sometimes brains rewire and sometimes brains just aren't quite what we are expecting the divisions to be but it is still true that like we we kind of store certain things in certain areas by however those pathways get aligned right and like the way this book is written the memory of like the incident in the book where Tyler is quite literally begging his parents not to unwind him is part of the brain lobe that Cyrus got. And it didn't have to be. I wasn't sure if it was a memory that it did happen or if it was. I I think it did happen. That it, I didn't. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. I think it did happen. And I think that that memory and not the memory of being taken away Mm. went. Well, did you know what I mean? Oh, the memory. Oh, I mean, it's obvious that the memory of actually getting unwound didn't make it in there because you'd be behaving pretty differently. But because the way being unwound works where there might, he might not have had literally any warning beforehand and no opportunity to have that conversation with his parents. Yeah. It might be that the thought It might be everything right up to there or something. Well, it might be that the thought that he wanted to beg them not to unwind him, but he didn't get to. That's fair. But I I don't think he's necessarily... the fact that it's that and not like two years earlier or... Right. Like there's... And I realize that this is a writing... But this is what we want to talk about. This is a writing choice by the author to Mm -hmm. give Tyler that incredibly emotional memory Mm -hmm. and not... Not... Yeah. uh, not the actual memory of being carried off or yeah this, because this is how we're going to talk about this in topic three this is how unwinding works right is that you remember everything because you never actually die so somewhere some piece of tyler's brain remembers that mm-hmm. whoever got the bit of him that has the memory of being unwound has the memory of being unwound and depending I mean, it also depends on how splintered it was because they also talk about how some people get just like little bits of tissue to, yeah, like to help people with seizures, they get like just enough to plug gaps. And it's possible that there isn't an iteration of him that has enough to have that whole memory complete. Yeah, that's fair. But you would think with the sheer number of people... Unless getting lobes is just not as common. And so most of the time you just don't have that memory. But there's got to be people who have like nightmares of this thing happening sometimes. And they don't even they don't even recognize it as being unwound. It's just a thing in their brain that happens that they think about sometimes. And then they don't have context for it because it hasn't happened to them. Even if they theoretically know that unwinding happens. Mm-hmm. And But like that's kind of getting into section two. <laughs> Yeah, but well, the, the the other thought that I have real quick with this is because um, your short term memory holds your last fifteen minutes approximately on a sliding, oh, but this was, constant thing. But this is a three hour process. This is true. Um, yeah, so some of it's definitely we have a literal timeline. We know that they would remember. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but we'll we'll get into the actual unwinding for our last topic, but. 
with Cyrus, like, um, he's still stealing stuff because he, that was the thing that whether or not it was the biggest part of his personality, it does seem to be big enough that it contributed to his parents deciding to unwind him. So probably a pretty big part. But it's part of, there. there's also, like, because, like, this is a sci-fi book. Like, yeah. uh, there's, um, the bits of body are given more credit for keeping memories and stuff than my understanding is might actually happen. So we oh, have, yeah. like, with the trucker, um, the arm knows how to do magic tricks. Oh, yeah. But there, there's this really, like, muscle memory means full autonomy thing happening in this there, book. Yeah, there's this muscle memory means the memories in the muscle, which whether than rather than how it actually works, which is like the memory is in a bit of your brain that controls the muscles and your muscles are physically ready to do that thing. Well, there is such a thing as spinal reflexes. That is actually more of like literally quite frank, like literally your body does something without you actually without that thought making it all the way to your brain, but not usually magic tricks. Yeah, right. So this this book does take like, I mean, a lot of things in this world setup take kind of a little bit of ex- an extreme or a outlier take. But this definitely this definitely falls in the realm of like sci fi, right? It's definitely yes. a, an ex- a, a a fully, fully fictional <laughs> thing um at least I mean, as far as how a lot of these body parts behave and also i mean starting with unwinding is possible so like it, it it's a sci-fi dystopia um and also it's got like i mean we'll talk about this more in the later section like the the fiction yeah. the the legal and moral fiction that they're not dead um yeah as an abs as an absolute edict I would say that turns it into a legal and moral fiction, whether or not on a case by case basis, you could technically maybe argue that like this one maybe isn't dead, like writ large. Oh, no, they're dead. Yeah. Um, Well, but that's that's and that's the thing that like several characters kind of explore this like what if like because they're they're people who are expecting where if the authorities catch up to them, they will be unwound they are assuming mm-hmm. this will happen to them if they don't find a way away from it mm-hmm. they there's a couple of times in this book where characters have this this conversation topic of just like well what if it happens to us will we die will we actually die or will we be mm-hmm. still alive and just kind of stretched and spread out and where does your consciousness lie and it, do souls come into question do i have a soul does that soul die or does it get pulled they go into all of those existential things and 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 basically never come up with an answer right they just kind of all state mm-hmm. their opinions and then have a, a mutual existential crisis over it yeah um but those are things that like those characters are thinking about because they're like if they do this to me then what am i yeah and it's not a hypothetical All right, for Cyrus and the Chucker, split identity, but not between each other. <laughs> Just to clarify that. So Cyrus uh, real, has... Real quick, we should give the same mm-hmm. disclaimer we gave at the beginning of mm. section one. 
uh, section one and two are inextricably linked. And we are going to, we are doing our best not to have them cross over into each other. But if you looked at section one and said, oh, that maybe is something I should skip, please skip section two. <laughs> Jump over to three or to our wrap up. Completely fine. We encourage that. That is how our format is set up for you to always be able to do that. Um, Take care of yourselves. Yeah. But there is physically no way for us to cover either of these topics and not veer into the other one in some way, shape, or form. All right. So, uh, an eighth of Tyler's brain is in Cyrus. And it's the bit that has Tyler's kleptomania, which we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So from Cyrus's perspective... And also Cyrus's, like, recognition of uh, his hometown, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the need to go where Tyler was from, which is yeah. very far away. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, went from, I don't know if, um, if Lev and Cyrus met up in Ohio or not, but Lev started yeah. out in Ohio, ran into Cyrus, and then made it all the way to, I think it was either Alabama or Louisiana. So it's like, oh, uh, it's a ways. <laughs> Um, having made that move, it's Is it a not Missouri, or did they go through Missouri? I don't remember. They they made it. They made it from Ohio to a southern state. Yeah, uh, by <laughs> on that, that foot, is not largely. <laughs> yeah, that was not Tennessee. Yeah, on foot, largely. Like they they went a ways. Um, and we don't know how much further before that Cyrus was traveling. Anyway, so from Cyrus's perspective, he is mostly him. He just has this bit in this brain that isn't him. This bit keeps stealing stuff. Um, and since um, Cyrus is black, or the term in this book is umber, they talk about. Um, Cyrus says that that term replaced the term black. Since Cyrus is like the main one we see say this, we don't know if this is true writ large or if it's just something Cyrus is saying. But regardless, the term he uses for himself is umber. He is worried about being perceived as a black kid stealing stuff. Yeah. When he doesn't want to steal stuff. And, and, and Tyler. You can even make an argument. It is quite literally not him. Mm -hmm. doing it but it is his body that is being used and there's this additional danger because if he then becomes a kid who steals a bunch of stuff he then would have the fear that he could then be unwound for stealing stuff when he wouldn't oh, have yeah. stolen stuff if he hadn't gotten the bit of his brain from someone who was themselves unwound and and he calls out in the book he he I, I there's a there's a thing where he talks about being able to like kind of mentally trick himself into sometimes visualizing uh what what Tyler looked like what this the kid that mm -hmm. part of this brain came from looked like and you know th this is not like a he's assuming that this character like no he knows this was a white boy who technically did get in trouble <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, he did get in trouble. Like it's not like he was white and stealing and got away. Like he literally was 
dismembered. Yeah. 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 For it. Quite like in a very yeah. physical sense. Uh, but he just didn't have the social stigma yeah. of standing in for all black people when he steals something. He got to be just him <laughs> yeah. and, who and stole something. You could argue that the little bit we know of Tyler, Tyler got away with her for a long time. And Roland is looking at this going, I will not. Not Roland. Keep oh, saying sorry. Cyrus. I Cyrus. scrolled down. I was looking at our wrong part of our notes. Yeah. Cyrus Cyrus is looking at it like, I, I will not. I will not get away with it for a long time. And he... There, it's just a and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to he doesn't he doesn't want to do this and he's just struggling because it's hard to fight off a portion of your own brain and the piece that was this kid's brain is now quite literally part of his and there is nothing he can do about it yeah and like even the most positive version of this that gets portrayed is like the the first person we meet who has something from an unwind um, is this trucker who has this arm who's good at card tricks. And the trucker's like, you know, hey, do you want to see a trick? And then he does it, and then he says, That wasn't me. And that's We have it's a, like we have a more positive so to, a couple more positive, so to speak. This is the first the first one that yeah, we have that we and it's positive ish. <laughs> yeah, um, but even then, he doesn't think of it as, I can do this card trick. He's like, this kid who died and I have a piece of him forever was good at card tricks. Therefore, it, I don't know, it's weird how- good at card tricks. Yeah. Right, and it's his arm is good at card tricks, but he doesn't think of it as him. So, like, even in the most positive, I now have a limb sense, he he doesn't. And- the thing is that, like, that, like, I mean, not learning a card trick because the person who had the limb previously knows cards, like, that's not real. Um, <laughs> or unless I'm really missing something. Um, like, that's that's not where that info would be stored for the arm to be able to do it. But, like, limb transplants, like, are a real thing in real yeah. life. And, like, it is a real thing that sometimes people get too stressed out by seeing a limb that isn't theirs and they either mentally or their body physically rejects it. I mean, those aren't necessarily for the same reason, but like that, that happens. That's a real thing that happens. And so like, this is this more extreme version of it. The the limb you are given was not kept quite literally conscious while it was given to you in real life. Like with, with the added thing that from, my perspective not living in this society <laughs> they're all murder victims like it it would yeah. be it 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 is a society where all replacement parts are from murder victims yeah every single one of them yeah. and that that's part of the horror of this and so i think that that explains like in terms of like the author framing this as like even the people who seem to have a good relationship with the new bits of them don't think of it as theirs. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Like at no point does anyone just seem to and like if they've gotten the a fiction. part, they talk about the part that mm-hmm. was given to them by su- like there's mm-hmm. such a a, a a disparate 
And that's part of maintaining the moral fiction in this universe, which oh, yeah. is that these people aren't dead. Because the whole point is this is only allowed to do as long as you definitely haven't killed them, you just unwound them. Yeah. And so if they say, this is my arm now, whoever had it before is dead, they're now culpable in murder. Yeah, and they literally, the they literally are not allowed... Like that's that's the point here. This is not like some fun way of preserving parts so that they don't, you know, decay and disintegrate. This is to keep people alive because then it's technically not murder. Like that's the whole point. I mean, later on someone gets a has a like a heart attack and refuses to get just a replacement heart from the fridge, which is what the doctor was about to do yeah. because they don't bother to try and save your current parts when you just swap it out and you got a whole fridge of the stuff. I, from a world building perspective, from like what the author did, I appreciate how much they like have that, this casual approach to it in the places where it makes sense that if this were the frame book framework, this bit would become casual because you're not going to do those heroics if you have a replacement part right there. Yeah. Well, and they make a big deal. The nurse makes a big deal about it, basically saying, hey, if you want us to try and save us using this quote unquote outdated medicine, you might die anyway. And this guy is like, yes, that's the point. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't want to be complicit in someone else dying for me or not dying for me. Yeah. Just, I think I think them still thinking of the parts as separate is not just they can't integrate it mentally. It's they if they do, then they have to acknowledge that the other person is gone. And if they do, then they have to acknowledge that they were murdered. And writ large, they don't they they can't do that. It would it would tear this thing down. And we um, should really uh, quickly give an example of a part that doesn't move on its own. Uh, we have a character who this is not just characters talking about limbs moving and brains doing things because they're not in control of their body. This is a whole culture. There is another character who needed both of their lungs taken out and they were given a replace a single replacement lung by one quote unquote donor. Uh, and that lung has asthma. But that's how the character mm -hmm. talks about their their lung now. It's not their lung. It is the lung they are using that has asthma. They don't have asthma. Mm -hmm. The lung they were given has asthma. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there is no like when people say, oh, you have asthma. This character quite literally go corrects them and says, no, my lung has asthma. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you are using that lung. But it's so it's so ingrained into how they they think of these these of the these unwinds. murder victims that they're lit even a lung yeah. that is not moving it is not doing anything on its own it's not taking over it's not reaching for things it's not hijacking the rest of your brain it's still just oh that lung i was given and not my lung yeah and nobody would ever know that they had ever had anything if it's a lung they would no one would know if they didn't correct people they could have just been like, oh, yeah, I that's true. I have asthma. Yeah. Or yep. or even that's true. My lung, my lung is asthmatic instead of, oh, actually, I had my lungs removed. This is not my lung. It's just the one that's in <laughs> me. Like, OK, yeah. well, hmm, that's not yours, is it? And you don't think so. 
I'm looking forward to reading the rest of the books and seeing how interesting the Ship of Theseus stuff gets for this. Because <laughs> this is uh, Ship of Theseus, the dystopia. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, if this section is triggering for you this is probably a sign that this isn't a good book for you to read i would argue Um, if any of our sections are triggering for you please don't read this series well yes but like (laughs) Like, this is this is the big one this this is is like this is the big concept this is like the point of the whole thing um so uh but using the term on wine a lot we have been using it interchangeably with murder the book does not There is a legal and moral fiction in the way that many things are legal for legal fictions. Um, But the particular legal fiction is that in this is that if you take all the bits of someone's body, apparently we're not worried about also getting to use the appendix, but if you take 99.4% of someone's body and you stick it in a bunch of other people then the person you took apart in this series legally isn't dead. They've just been unwound. Um, And it is a particular compromise for a particular thing that led to a bunch of wars previously for the books um, before these current events. And just in case you had made it through most of the book, not sure, whether the author thought that maybe this actually was a good solution. Uh, We get the perspective of someone in the process of being dismembered, unwound, so that their parts can be given to other people. And this person gets, it's Roland, he gets unwound really quickly once he's at the place where they unwind people. Because he's got a rare blood type, AB negative, and lots of people who aren't on the slate to be unwound, who have that blood type, they need his parts. Or because they've decided they're going to take him apart, they're particularly eager to because of his blood type. Which, from like the author picking all of this stuff, is particularly insidious because... Something he has literally no control over means that people are extra eager to kill him while insisting that he's not actually going to die. And something I've been uh, thinking about as we do this episode is when you want to know whether the characters involved know that being unwound is actually bad. If you're trying to figure out whether the characters in the book know that being unwound is equivalent to death in all the ways that matter to the person taking apart, and in several ways that are worse for the person taken apart, then all you have to do is look at how many times people threaten people by saying that if you don't do this we'll unwind you because if it weren't bad it wouldn't be an effective threat and 
it is an effective threat because, but it's got this twofold of like, it is an effective threat because it is horrific and because it is functionally indistinguishable from death. But the people doing it get to pretend that they're not killing people. They're saving lives. Look how many part, how many people you can save if you just take apart one person to do it. And it is different from organ donation in our current world. Because uh, you have to sign up while you're alive that you want people to use your stuff afterwards. And, and also you're not preserved in life. <laughs> right. You're, like if. Yeah. If. And they even make that point in the book that, mm-hmm. like, th- there's a character that makes, like, almost an offhand, like, oh, well, you know, if more people were organ donors, maybe we wouldn't have to do this. And it's like, hey, you don't. You literally you don't. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Also, in this world, no one's going to sign up to be an organ donor because you got the unwinds. And, wow. and Why would you, worry you don't want to be harvested early. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> like, yeah. of course, there's no organ donors currently. Nobody wants to volunteer unless they literally volunteer because that happens too. But but people are not like people who don't want to volunteer in life to die early or to be preserved early are not trying to sign up to be done after death because they don't want anyone coming after them. Why would there be a market for that? Also, because you can only be unwound after you turn 13 and before you turn 18. Yeah, that too. Um. That means that, yes, some younger people do get um, parts from unwinds. Like, we do have several examples of that in the book. But proportionally, largely speaking, the older stealing the bodies of the young while insisting that they haven't been murdered. Which is, may I say, a brilliant and chilling premise for a YA book. Just, ah. Genre-wise, this is perfectly situated. Um, And, like, age category, just great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But the characters... Sorry, lost my train of thought. Um, Because you have this whole society where the people who have survived past the age when this can happen to them are making decisions about the people it can still happen to. It means that by definition, they're sentencing them to a horror that they have escaped. All right, now we got to actually talk about Roland getting dismembered. Sorry, this scene was just so rough. It's it's all of his thoughts during the several hour process of him getting unwound. Uh, it's and supposed to be exactly three hours. It ends up being, I believe, three hours and eighteen minutes, twelve minutes, yep. one of the two. Um, they have a actual clock. It, they tick down in the scene. Yeah, uh, and it highlights like the detached and bureaucratic nature of this process that insists it's not killing him, but it it feels a lot like killing him. Like he he's gone, and. The doctors, like, keep telling him that he will feel a pinch, and that's how we know that that bit of him is gone. Or, like, when they wheel away, like, he's on a a table that is in a bunch of parts so that they can wheel away the bit of the table that they don't need anymore because that part of his body is gone. And it it is horrendous and chilling to read. 
we'll get to this in the wrap up, but it's horrendous and chilling to read without. It's one of these where I'm like, oh, gosh, it's explicit, but it's not technically graphic. Like when I can't pick between those two words when I'm adding content warnings on the story graph, I'm going to put graphic. But technically, technically, this is explicit without being graphic. And normally, I don't have to worry about the difference between two of those when writing content warnings. Um, We know exactly what's happening. um, But it is the clinical bureaucratic detachment as this whole team helps kill him is chilling. I monologued. Do you have any more thoughts about this one? <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that this one is. I don't know. It's 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 interesting because the scene did not impact me as much as it did you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it any better of a scene? Question mark. Mm-hmm. But the they d- I think this scene does a really good job where if you are somebody who needs your body horror explicitly spelled out before it is emotionally impacting you the scene is actually not that difficult to read yeah but if you are incredibly imaginative or incredibly emotive it's going to be really bad um, so the combination that's going on for me is i can't picture stuff i haven't literally seen and so all i have is the words and all this Mm. is is the words that's fair yeah uh but it just the 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 way they did it i think this was i I do want to say from an author standpoint i think putting this in book one was very very good move Uh because up until this point we have kind of several instances of of either background characters or main characters talking to other characters just discussing vaguely over time filling in the reader on why this is what it is and you know characters speculating on well what happens to you if it's you that's it's happening to and like because they haven't experienced it yet and they're thinking Mm -hmm. they might and you know uh but kind of going through that and and thinking about it and talking about it and filling in us on the history of it and like giving a clarification for how did this even happen and and there's a lot of like, well, am I going to die? Question mark. Or, you know, the people who think all, essentially that all cell death is murder, think that this is fine. And the people who think that you should have the right to not have a person, not not let children there's a whole this this book is really hard because it is all is all about abortion rights but mm-hmm. it's literally abortion rights taken to an extreme where in the book it's like well technically if the person is born and they become a person then we didn't abort them and it's all better cuz they got to live yay but what if we actually wanted them dead what if we actually would have aborted them when they weren't a person yet and it would have been fine so we're gonna do it 13 years later and the book makes this like weird equivalency uh in that aspect and robin made a very good point when we were doing our notes that this takes the like uh 
this takes what in our real world would be a pro-choice argument and turns it into a like almost pro-life boogeyman argument and then says fight and makes them run at each other full speed and then we get this yeah Um, it's basically reading this is difficult it's basically what if the actual history of what happened decades before this book was the worst boogeyman that both sides think of each other i don't even want to say that both sides think of each other well, one of the things that's in this book that isn't a thing that actually happens is a right-wing talking point in the U.S. about pro-life. But that's why like, I'm saying it's not both yeah. sides. It's very well, much It's very much a, in the U.S., in real yeah. life, a right-wing talking point thrown at a right-wing boogeyman of... Of the left, of yeah. the left, and then like it, the the author yells, "Okay, ready, go!" <laughs> and then yep. they they both have to tussle it out, and they come up with the like, "Well, what if they didn't die, but we got to kill them anyway?" Yeah, and recycle them. Like it's just it's you have to if you're going to read this book, you have to go into it. I think knowing that that is the discussion. So on yeah. the one hand, the trauma we are talking about is this character being cut apart on screen so to speak while being fully aware and yet completely numb and unable to feel any pain but the core of this argument the core of this scene that you get context for previous that makes this so horrific is not weirdly enough that they are getting cut apart it's that this is the solution to make it so that People who get pregnant don't actually have control over their bot. This is the compromise. Yeah. Is that we're yeah. gonna cut people up later. And that's what that's what the whole core of the plot is. And and so, so for you me, have the it's pregnant- like I I don't have issues with reading pretty graphic things in books at all. But the thing that stuck with me reading the scene was like, this isn't horrific because of the dismemberment. This is horrific because it's a compromise between two very terrible standpoints. And yeah. one of them is whole cloth made up in the book. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. And now, uh, the, I've the, read other the things not by an Neil Shusterman. Actual... I love this author. This author is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to read this series knowing that that's what they're actually talking about. That's the actual discussion, the meta discussion going on in this book. Yeah. And and the the talking point that we haven't specifically said was the idea in this book we are told, we don't even know that it was for certain, we are told right. that pro-life people were getting pregnant so that they could have abortions to use the fetuses for medical stuff. I mean, that is also is, that is also part of the boogeyman, but like, yeah, that's not even the... the that's the one I was thinking of. That's not of. even the ideology clash that's hap- That's just like a thing thrown in to make it clear this is satire in my head. Yes. No, that, that's what <laughs> like, I meant. Like, okay. when I was saying it, taking it to the extremes, that's that's yeah. the moment when I knew that- That the, the author is not advocating for that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That it, that it was taking to this extreme because it's like, oh, yeah, that's not, that isn't an actual thing. That's like, not how that works at all. Yeah. It's just not. That's the moment when I knew that <laughs> this- went to this hyper place as, earlier as a than commentary it would have and not to. as a yeah. like 
see what you did yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. On to the wrap up and ratings for vestigial existence for the gratuity rating. Um, I I'm feeling like severe. Like this is the most we can talk about how someone isn't all the way there. Like, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and blanket sweep. All three of our topics are severe. Yeah. We're not even going to debate this or discuss it. It just, that is how this is. Yep. (laughs) Good luck. If that is not your cup of tea, this isn't your book. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying the book is bad. I'm just saying nothing about this book is not severe. Like, I love Neil Shusterman's books. This series isn't my favorite of his series, but it's absolutely the one we have to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. Ark of a Scythe was a close second. Also, I am going to put this out there. We do not, we try to avoid books that have real life repercussions. We didn't plan mm-hmm. this one super well in the past when we haven't planned something well. We have pulled it or swapped it or said later. Most of those things have been pandemic related. Yeah. This one. We are releasing in October 2021, quite literally a month and a half after some particular bills that were passed in Texas. Not super good planning, but also (laughs) I do want to make the argument, and this is the only reason I'm even mentioning our real world things that are happening Mm -hmm. right now. I do want to make the argument to people that if our real life stuff is really frustrating and you would like... A horror sci, a horror, um, sci-fi, sci-fi ex like exaggerated <laughs> boogeyman version of some things that are happening in real life or that people get accused of in real life. Uh, this book might be cathartic. It's that bad, and that's a good th- and that's a, a positive endorsement somehow. Yeah. Uh, so that's the big the big reason we are discussing this, and e- we've had this planned for a year and a half and then we bumped it to now like seven months ago a year ago something like that and the reason why we didn't pull it didn't cut it is because it is that exaggerated but like if that's not a good topic for you right now don't read this book yeah listen to our episode we talk about cool cool stuff we're glad you're here glad you're in the wrap-up to hear this cool stuff we, cool we talk stuff, about topics that we're unlikely to get to cover in other books. That's what I mean by cool stuff. That is true. That is true. From our perspective, we are talking about things that we very rarely or ever. We're never... not talking about gaslighting. Right. Cool That's stuff. That's nice. We talk about gaslighting a lot. We also talk about abandonment a lot. Yeah. We this didn't is do that for this book. We had some other things. Yeah, we had other stuff. <laughs> but yeah. So uh. that's your real world. Hey. Depending on how you are processing some things currently, if you live in the U.S., maybe you should avoid this. And maybe reading this would be cathartic in the way that horror in general is cathartic when you're when something is really scary. Yeah, maybe don't read the technically not abortion we promised dystopia book. Um, 
or or maybe now is the perfect time because you really want to be angry at something and and this is a good way it depends on you but yep this is your this is your book content warning that we will put it also put in the show notes but i also want to state it verbally in the place where theoretically everyone who listens to an episode will listen to the wrap-up we want you to know that's that's what this is loosely based on anyways back to your regularly scheduled programming yep um so uh is the trauma integral interchangeable or irrelevant integral i think these are all integral i would like to argue that yes they are all integral yeah yeah and even like even for like as little as we talked about the trucker like that's still super oh it's absolutely integral because we we needed to see the gradients like yeah these are integral both individually and in the context of the other facets. Like if we did a seven part podcast, we could have done like, we could have done every example of, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And they're all got different stages and permutations. We didn't even talk about Humphrey Dumphy. Like (sighs) there's, there's so much. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, of, of reinforcing of certain concepts. And, Mm -hmm. like, kind of leaving you, the reader, or characters in the story, really, like, no wiggle room for it. But what if it's okay here? Like, there's nothing weird. They do not. The author does not leave you any room to be be like, well, sometimes. And then if you were still on the fence, there's Roland. So, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anyways, care. I think that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm gonna none. I'm gonna with actually. <laughs> uh, I was gonna actually argue that Tyler is treated with care, Cyrus is not, and Roland is treated with not enough. You think Tyler is treated with care from an audience perspective, not a character perspective? That is one of the more graphic scenes in the book, and I am including topic three when I consider those. <laughs> I think our character got some care i i think the audience absolutely did not okay right and i just remember that alien hand syndrome is a real thing that people really have um yeah all right cool i'm no care for none of these no care for all of these um it's a horror dystopia no care for all yeah and if you think you're getting care it's only because you haven't yet gotten to the one that is the is the is the bad one for you that we're talking about that we're not going to talk in in detail about but is definitely what we're talking about well i was gonna say it's only because you haven't gotten to whichever one is bad for you oh that's fair actually because i don't know like my own stuff means that cyrus's position seemed worse than tyler's but like yeah yeah but that's 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 not true for uh that that's not true a lot of large yeah Yeah. (laughs) roland's is i would say that roland's is probably worse than anybody from an objective standpoint however of the three we talked about yeah but anyway uh yeah they're not treated with care but it's definitely not a like this is horror sci-fi yeah all right of yeah so establishing that none of this is treated with care but also this is definitely one of those it's a horror book and also maybe that was the point oh that was absolutely the point character point of view 
Um, so it's multiple for all of these except top. Excuse me, got a hiccup. It's except topic three, I think. Well, we don't. We don't get Tyler's perspective. We get as much of his perspective as it is possible to communicate. Well, but we don't. We technically so here's get the, it. Here's the thing. This is why I'm saying multiple. Yeah. Uh, we. I know we focus a lot on this one character pairing, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of examples of this in the book. So I don't think we can say, well, looking from this, it it is multiple. It is multiple viewpoints. It is multiple perspectives. Oh, sure. It is multiple like things and we're not going to go into any detail we're not going to clarify but it is multiple points of view for pretty much all of these except topic three topic three we have a very first person point of view yeah and i was going to say for the entire book like we listed cam lev and risa in our factions even though they didn't play into our topics at all because they are the three main protagonists um and even in tyler's section it's from lev's perspective because lev is we don't have i don't think we get a little bit not a lot but we mostly get lev watching but but again that's from one one particular iteration of this sure it's it's multiple in general because we have multiple points of happening and that's all i'm gonna say on that (laughs) yeah uh for roland's particular scene roland Roland, Roland. however is is our our POV for his own uh, personal experience. Yep. And moving on. That's, I th- yep. Uh, Let's go say I think that's the only time we get him in the book. No, yeah. it's not the only time we get him in the book. That's <laughs> the most memorable. Okay, so for Trope Spotter. All right, Trope Spotter is the section where we uh, head to TV Tropes and find a trope that is prominent or interesting in the book. And we have the one-two punch of you won't feel a thing and blatant lies. Blatant, blatant lies. You won't feel a thing is where someone who is attempting to speak in a calm and or authoritative voice most of the time uh, is saying how much something definitely isn't going to hurt. It almost always does. And or they're trying to tell you that it's going to be bad or that it's not going to be bad and then it is uh and blatant lies is that it it's bad uh and it hurts i'm fine yep. with that uh yep. would you like to go first or second for our favorite i will go second please don't take mine oh go first if you if that's a concern i already told you what mine is oh fair enough okay uh so my favorite non-traumatic thing I, this is going to be a weird one, (laughs) but it stood out to me. So for full disclosure, I am a musician and an artist and a dancer. Mm. And a lot of times I have an experience where the arts in modern day America in real life are kind of seen as this it's almost seen as like a a gift you are giving to other people but there's no value to it because then they would have to pay you 
and they don't want to. They just want you to keep creating things that benefit them with no strings attached in general. I'm not saying people don't make money at it. I'm saying there's a message in general mm-hmm. that gets thrown at, at at anyone doing anything that is anywhere near art artistic. Unless you are the the few who are well known and, and actually make make a, a living at it. Uh this book puts a lot of value on our one character who is a piano player. Like her talent gets used in some interesting ways that I'm not gonna talk about. Mm-hmm. But like at no point in this book do we ever get the message of like arts aren't worth it. And that was weirdly refreshing to be like, oh, like you started out your whole story arc is about being a performer. And then the last piece of your story arc that we kind of get physically in this book is you being so valuable that they might just let you live. <laughs> like <Yeah>. what? <laughs> that was it was a really weird like, oh, cool. Interesting. That's not how like I mean, we don't have the same stakes in the same way presented in the same form. Uh and like playing piano will not get you out of it, but like it was just a really weird, like, everybody she met that she said, oh, I'm a piano player, was like, you're, oh, oh, okay. And then, you know, she she quite literally, like, can extend her life by being a good music. Like, it was just really weird. It was, it was cool. That's probably mine. There's not very much in this book that's not traumatic. So my favorite thing... um, is that the book references a real thing that really happened that I already knew about it about and I want more people to know about, which is really fun. Um, So there was this person in the early 2000s who tried to sell their soul on eBay and eBay removed the listing. um, (laughs) Yeah, I knew about this too. (laughs) Yeah, so eBay removed the listing saying that um, if souls don't exist then you're not selling anything and expecting money and that's against our policies and if souls do exist then you're selling a human body part on ebay which is also against our policies uh the the full text of the letter saying that or the email saying that is in the book in (laughs) one of the interstitial sections yeah and it's great in this book where people are actively talking and thinking about like are there souls what are they like if i'm unwound what's going to happen like that whole thing to just have this in the book it's like it's this historical document of people have been worrying about souls in the absence of any religious thought, people just as people have been worrying about souls and the intersection of souls and commerce for a while. And it just, it was cool to see that that was preserved here. So yeah, because some of the interstitials were real things that really happened. And some of the interstitials were things that are fake for the backstory of this book. But if you're reading this, and you're not sure, definitely speculative historical fiction, kind of. Question well, mark, fantasy, it's not, horror, no, speculative. It's weird. It it's, takes a lot of inspiration sci-fi. from real life. 
Well, it's sci-fi, but all all future sci-fi has some point at which their timeline and ours diverged if they began on Earth at all. It's definitely in that moment. It's definitely that trope of like, uh, name name your wars in. I'm going to use America because I remember those. We have the you know we've we've in in this country real, in the past fake. we had the revolution, we had the civil war, and then we had the war of of the moon and it's like oh okay yeah <laughs> like it's definitely that our beloved childhood show babylon 5 <laughs> i love, I love uh, babylon 5 so much. did did that a lot i know like star trek will do like a similar thing you know two yeah. things that definitely really happened and, and one, one that sounds weird and is in a year that hasn't happened yet <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's That's it's great. a really good grounding thing anyway this inclusion there was that kind of a thing and i liked it it was great so, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you've made it all the way to one of our more stressful episodes, I think. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us for this discussion of Unwind, and we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at ko-fi.com slash booksthatburn or becoming a monthly supporter on patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks